0: All right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And if you're not familiar with that amazing singer, that is Jeff Healy. And that was See the Light uh, from 1988. And he actually uh, passed away uh, quite some time ago. He's blind. And uh, there's an incredible clip of that song on YouTube. Again, See the Light, Jeff Healy. Uh, standing by to join us is Dr. David Palmer. We're going to talk about his book, Taking Charge of Cancer, What You Need to Know to Get the Best Treatment. Good morning, dr. Palma. How are you
1: good morning thanks i'm I'm very well thanks for having me on the show
0: Well, I found your book really intriguing um, I'm glad I didn't see it a year and a half ago because my dad had stage four uh, uh, melanoma not melanoma sorry scrambled uh, He had colon cancer
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, but I you know let's talk about Uh, what led you to write this book, and then, um, you know, some thoughts on people that are probably stage one, not stage four.
1: Yeah, interesting that you say that because the inspiration for the book was a close friend of mine, so someone close to me as well, also diagnosed with colon cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, It's my best friend, and he was diagnosed with, what was the stage three colon cancer at that time. And when he was diagnosed, we took a, a series of steps together. He realized, he's a smart guy, he's a teacher, he realized that there's really not a lot of information out there help patients make sure that they're getting good quality treatment. It's easy to go and see, you know, what the general treatments are, but how do you know that you're getting a good treatment, that things aren't being missed in your situation? And after we took these steps together, the two of us, he said, you know, Dave, patients really need a guidebook to help them to be able to do this, and that's how this book came about.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's so many different types of cancer, obviously. from uh, My uncle passed away from melanoma. Um, you know, I've known people with whole variety of things. I mean, I had a niece who passed away from histiocytosis. And Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about, walk me through how you, you know, structured this book.
1: So this book is a little bit different than other books or websites about cancer. And what they really ask you, what this book asks you to do is to really be empowered. And if you think of a situation, let's say you're going to buy a, a new car, you would, online and look at the different cars that you'd like you'd go and test drive the car and then you'd ask the dealer or the salesperson a bunch of questions about the car and the warranty and their track record yet historically when we go to a cancer treatment center we just go along with what they say or many people just just do that but we know as doctors you know we've known for a long long time that the quality of care really varies across the u.s across canada depending on where you go And as that quality varies, you know, if you're at a high quality center, your chances can be a lot better than if you're at a lower quality center. So what this book tells patients to do is to really understand their situation, take a few steps to make sure that you really understand your situation, and then you can double check your doctor's recommendations to make sure that you're being offered all of the standard options. In your scenario mm-hmm. and then once you know what your options are it helps you to evaluate am I getting good surgery if that's what you're having or am I getting good radiation or good chemotherapy so it really runs the gamut basically it's a step-by-step manual with checklists along the way right. to help people out
0: I like that because you really have to take charge of your health and question everything because, you know, maybe this the typical treatment for whatever you have, um, there could be another option.
1: There could be, and we know that people aren't being given all the options in, in some scenarios. Think of the example of prostate cancer. Uh, you probably know that for many men with prostate cancer, if it's not a life-threatening prostate cancer, they can choose to have surgery or radiation or even to be observed. But we know that across the U.S., there are huge variations in the number of men who are getting treatment versus those that are being observed. And when you go for the treatment, you put yourself at risk, of, at risk of side effects that you might not need to be exposed to, like incontinence or sexual dysfunction down the road. So we can tell from this data that, that men aren't being offered all the options. And we also know, you know, this is sort of the dark side of medicine, that doctors tend to recommend whichever treatment they themselves deliver. So if you see a radiation doctor oh, like yes. me... Then I would be more likely on average to recommend radiation, whereas a surgeon would be more likely to recommend surgery. We know that these prostate men, if they go to a surgeon first that 's what they 're most likely to have, and same with the radiation. But what this book tells you is is where to go to reputable places online to see okay here are the guidelines national u s national guidelines about these are, these are the, the supported options. These are the recommended options in this scenario. And then you can ask your doctor, hey, have I been, am I a candidate for these, all these options? And it will open people up to new possibilities.
0: Mm-hmm. What's, I, I want to bring up something. I had a friend when I was living in Boston who was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And mm-hmm. he had surgery, and they, and they took out a very large um, growth, and he seemed okay. And then years later, I find out he died of leukemia. Mm -hmm. and his I guess his mom had shared with me that um, he was on all these meds and he developed leukemia and I was blown Mm -hmm. away but Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's not unusual
1: it's uncommon but I wouldn't say it's unusual we know that some chemotherapy drugs do give you this risk of leukemia and it's usually around one percent and so when you meet with doctors for the original discussion of your treatment as a patient that's something that they would that they're supposed to disclose that. We could cure your cancer, but there is this risk of getting a leukemia. It's very similar to me being a radiation doctor. I'll tell patients that there's a small risk down the road that the radiation could cause a cancer, often 1% or so. But we do see these rare but bad things happen down the road, and I, I too, have lost a close um, member of, uh, I guess, my social circle mm-hmm. who died of this exact same thing. Um, and so we're working to make the treatments less Toxic down the road, but a lot of the the treatments that we do give do have these substantial side effects, which actually brings me to a really important point that I ask patients to consider: is to ask your doctors when you're getting treatment, what is the goal of my treatment? Are we aiming here to cure this cancer, or are we just aiming to slow it down? Because when you're looking at a very toxic treatment, in some cases, in some cases it's not so bad. But if it's a really difficult treatment, if the goal is cure, meaning that you could live out your normal life. People tend to accept a lot more aggressive treatment, but if the goal is just to slow things down a bit or maybe get a bit of extra time, then understandably, people don't want to really go through as many side effects. But that discussion, we know, is not happening as often as it should.
0: Right. I, I went to this uh, interesting conference in New York a while ago, and there was a doctor speaking, and he said, by the time you've been diagnosed with cancer, you've already had it for a long time.
1: In some cases, yeah. So it's really hard for us to exactly know how long it takes for a cancer to grow in an individual unless they've had many, many scans. But I just had a patient this morning before this interview who asked me how long her cancer had been there. And she has a stage three cancer, meaning we're, the cancer has spread to a few locations but is still being treated for cure. And it's a bit of a guess. You know, it's been there for many months. How many? We would only know if we had scans several times before. Cancers do grow very slowly. Some pop up, even though they've had a clear scan a few months prior. So it can really vary. Like you said, these cancers are also different.
0: Are there things people can do to... Obviously, you can't avoid getting cancer. But, I mean, I eat organic, and, you know, I know I've heard people saying you keep your weight down and do certain Mm -hmm. things. I mean, our environment's filled with toxins,
1: yeah. So our environment does have some things in it that that you know the, the lay term. We, we we hear toxins a lot. I don't like that term because people tend to use it to sell you something to detox yourself. Right. Which, sure. which you might not be doing much except for giving yourself diarrhea with your yeah. detox. But um, right. but I also I do spend the extra money sometimes on organic foods. Do, do, do organic foods really um, prevent us from cancer from getting cancer? We don't really know that um, just as of yet. But the things that I think. That we do know, we can really improve upon. So, so exposure just to cigarette smoke, of course, is a big one, mm-hmm. um, and chewing tobacco. That's a big one. But many people know that already. UV light, so coming from the sun, mm-hmm. skin cancer is especially as we we get into a situation where you know we're getting less ozone protection, and 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 uh, just like Australia has seen high rates of skin cancer, we're expecting the same in the U.S. and Canada. But even things like industrial pollution and smog are now linked to cancer. Very strongly so there are these things that we can do to reduce our risk and, and you're right so being overweight or especially being obese has mm-hmm. been linked to certain kinds of cancers like endometrial cancer esophagus cancer and um, other lifestyle factors like that so it, there are things we can do but ultimately one of the biggest risk factors for cancer unfortunately is our age and oh. as you get older just because Your body accumulates more damage, more DNA damage over time. Our age is a big risk factor for cancer that we can't, unfortunately, avoid.
0: Right. So let's talk about your background. I know we have to wrap up soon. What led you to become a radiation oncologist and a researcher?
1: Yeah, so it's something that I I only became interested in once I got to medical school and I realized that I really enjoyed working in in an oncology environment at a cancer center where you really seem to have more time with patients, it's very, you, you develop these very close emotional connections with people. And as a radiation doctor, it's a very technical specialty. I'm a bit of a math nerd, and there's some math and science, you know, and that kind of, and um, physics in there. So we, we we use these really cool machines to deliver very, very, um, you know, targeted radiation that wasn't available 20 years ago. So just like your iPhone is way different than the phones that we had 20 nice. years ago. The radiation machines have, are even more different than the machines we had 20 years ago. And then I went on to train... In doing cancer research, so I went to Harvard, I went to um, a university in Europe to get a PhD. So what I do as when I'm not, you know, doing this stuff around helping patients get high-quality treatment is I, I run clinical trials. So we're testing out new technologies, new treatment options to try to make our outcomes better. That's mostly what I do in terms of my research.
0: Okay. And where can people find out more about you?
1: So I... When I, as I wrote this book, I put up a website as, m- with my friend's suggestion. It's just called qualitycancertreatment.com, qu- all one word, qualitycancertreatment.com. And they can go and read more about the book, and people will find that all the proceeds from the book, all the author royalties are going directly to cancer research. So by buying this book, hopefully cancer patients can help themselves, but also maybe help patients down the road by, by furthering research.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for calling into the show. I really enjoyed having you on. Well, thanks for having me, Jeanine. All the best. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, so if you missed any part of that with Dr. David Palma, it will be up on my show blog. All his info is on there about his book, Taking Charge of Cancer, What You Need to Know to Get the Best Treatment. If you visit getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, it is up on there. And then I'll have the podcast up on, there on the uh, blog within an hour after I wrap. So we'll take a little break. And then I have uh, two more guests calling in. Shannon Kaiser, who's written this great book, *The Self Love Experiment*: fifteen principles for becoming more kind, compassionate, and accepting of yourself, and also *Life Lessons*: one hundred and twenty-five prayers and meditations by Julia Cameron, who her name might sound familiar because she's the best-selling author of *The Artist's Way*, and that is also up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. I I am on Twitter moms underscore rock and KUCI is on Twitter KUCI FM we're on Instagram KUCI FM Tumblr and Facebook uh, KUCI 88.9 we'll be right back you are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine <music>